And now I'd like to welcome Maureen Johnston and Nell McCafferty to the stage, who are founder members of the Irish Women's Liberation Movement and travelled on the train. <laughs> I, I was born in 1944. 1944, I was born. I'm 73 now. I was. At 27, the day we went up to Belfast, I cannot now explain to myself, and none of us have ever discussed it, Maureen. Some of us were journalists. How could we arrive there and not have prescriptions for contraception? Maura Woods was a doctor. Emer Bowman was a doctor. June Levine was a nurse who was married to a doctor. We all arrive up there. It was not a piece of paper between us. <laughs> I cannot explain it. Equally, I cannot explain how, when we got back to Dublin, customs officers did not arrest us, would not arrest us. I don't know how. There's only one video shot of that whole day, if that's the correct term, one piece of film, which shows Maureen Johnson gone up to the customs officers, and you will have maybe understood from listening to her today why it was me that picked on her and said, Maureen, go you up first. I thought it was because she was from the Liberties. And Maureen, I didn't think you'd be afraid, but up you went. I was just a wee bit afraid uh, that we'd be arrested and I'd lose my good job, which was gold dust, being from Derry. I wouldn't have minded three months in jail, uh, just out of curiosity to see what it's like. <laughs> the bastards wouldn't arrest us. You can say a bastard now, this sting has been taken out of it by Nula Fennell, who, who, who abolished illegitimacy, and down we go then to Store Street Station, where the guards are all sitting at the window looking out at us, and we waved our contraband at them, and declared the law is obsolete. That was our chant, the law is obsolete. And I shouted in the window to them, will you come out and arrest us? They wouldn't do it. And on the Monday, we were, Monday in the door, the Minister for Health stood up and said, none of us had brought in contraceptives because every effort had been made to confiscate them. So the country was still free of these things. That was an outright lie. And I went to Douglas Gage with the, the Irish Times. I was a journalist there. I said, look, that's a lie. I, write something about it. And he said, I'll let it go. The fun had gone out of it then. We'd had our 48 hours. But I mean, if, if I think we were ignorant then, and uninformed, wasn't the only thing we didn't know about. We had six demands in the women's movement, contraception to legalise it, equal pay, equal educational opportunity. We did not ask for divorce and we did not ask for abortion. Uh, it wasn't, I, I don't think it was because, well, we never heard of abortion really as a public thing. We'd heard of divorce, but in those days, you made your bed and you, you laid in it. Uh, we couldn't see these things ending. I mean, you took, if a marriage ended, usually the man took the honourable option and went over to England to look for a job. We all knew what that meant. He's in England looking for a job, okay. But we didn't ask to legalise it. That all changed uh, 1979 when, when Pope John Paul came to Ireland and life as we knew it changed after that. As you all know, first there's a abortion referendum, then the divorce referendum. 
and we're still on about abortion. But that was then, this is now. You see, we didn't actually, were we too young then, Maureen, to talk to each other about our own lives? I, I love their hearing about you sitting in a factory and at 14 and the woman holding shirts on their laps to disguise the fact that they, they were pregnant and married. You weren't allowed to work openly in those days after marriage. But you see, when I was listening to you, I thought of a difference, small difference, well, a major difference between me and you and between you and me, Maureen. And most of the people here today, I think. I, I can't see through these lights, but I assume you're relatively young. That is to say, born in maybe 1980. By young, I mean this, and the difference between me and you. My generation, Maureen's generation, and probably generations born before 1960, we were the last generation to be reared by full-time mothers. I look back. Didn't I have the grand time? June Levine updated it later to say, what every woman needs is a good wife. And I said, we don't need marriage, June, then. My mother worked full-time in the home, so did every woman on the street. Who had, who had babies. And even the few who had babies and had a job in the shirt factories in Derry got up and went to work in the morning, came back at lunchtime to, to put on the dinner, went back to work again and came home at night and continued their work within the home. Phil Coulter tried to sentimentalise it, saying the men on the dole played a mother's role. Walked fed the children and then walked the dog. That wasn't true. The men on the dole played their own role. They walked the children and fed the dogs because the greyhound was the only way you had of making a, a rise at that time. I loved it. Must be a bit like what a heterosexual man feels, even these days, the ones that are, don't know how to get into the kitchen. You wake up in the morning and the tooth fairy has put clean socks in the bedside drawers. You wake up on clean sheets, you get up, you put on clean clothes, you go off and you go to your work, which is paid work, which is grand. And you come back and your food's sitting on the table in a, in a clean house. And you go out and you do what you want to do. And then you come back in at night and have your, your, your supper sitting waiting on you. Wasn't that a great life? I used to say bitterly about men. Yes, it was great for me. What did it cost our mothers? I don't remember my mother being bitter and snarling at us, but I do remember that in 1968 when the civil rights movement broke out, I especially remember the night Bobby Sands died in 1981, maybe two. We were woken up by a, an iron bar clanging on a lamppost in the bog side. We heard this boy's voice shouting, Bobby Sands is dead, Bobby Sands is dead. And we all got up automatically, as you did in those days. There's something happening. Put on our clothes and walked the streets to commemorate Bobby Sands at, at uh, one or two in the morning. And I remember my mother and, and the neighbours, who were all 
woman with children, married as they were in those days. My mama was gazing in deep amaze around the town. She had never seen it at two in the morning because being a mother, or even before she got married, she went to the dance, she was home by midnight, you got scalped. To see the town in the middle of the night it was like a foreign adventure for her. The only time I know that she she was a little, uh, she'd expressed some sense of loss. She had to leave school when she was 17 because her mother died in childbirth. And my mother was appointed by her father as, a, as a, the housekeeper, taken out of school. There were three children, brothers and sisters, on to the age of 10 in the, in, in the house. That was 1927. From then on until she died in 1994, my mother was a full-time mother. But she had two sisters, two brothers and a sister had gone to America in the 1920s and her father, who was a police sergeant, had written away for, uh, uh, to get a visa to America. And I still have that letter. My mother kept it in copper plate writing. And afterwards, another letter writing to the American Embassy saying, uh, I have to cancel that application for a visa for Lily, my mother, etc. My mother kept both, both those letters in the bureau upstairs. And, I, and she always used to say to us, when we were all going off gallivanting and traveling and earning money, she said, she said, I could have been like you, I could have gone to America, and that's the only concrete expression that I remember of my mother saying she could have had another life or wanting another life or having her own money. That was the awful thing on a Friday night. Uh, my father uh, always handed up the wage packet, but we never knew how much he earned. He was in his kindly heteropatriarchal way. He'd say, look, Lily, you don't need to know. There's enough for the rent. I keep that. And there, there'll be something for rainy days. But he handed over all the money to pay the bread man, the milk man, the vegetable man. But if he wasn't in a good humor that Friday night, and they're all knocking at the door like clockwork, he wouldn't hand over the wages. My mother would be dancing out on the floor in rage and humiliation and resentment. Huey the bread George is at the door, Michael the lemonade man is at the door. He took his time and then finally gave her the money. That I remember from my childhood when I swore to myself as soon as I have a job, Mommy, I'll always give you money, there'll be money in the bank for you. But I still think, Maureen, though you could add to this, those full-time mothers of our generation well, we weren't in a tenement like you. There was happiness of a kind and, and fulfillment of a kind. I think they enjoyed being mother, mothers then. And the job of being a full-time mother, the reason I mention that, I don't want to go on about contraception, is I have noticed in modern times when I think, well, we were supposed to talk about the future today. What do you all want? What do young women want? There is no joy in the national conversation, such as we have about pregnancy and motherhood. At most, when there is a conversation that unites us, it's about abortion. And I go straight to the, the 
chase their divorce. I said, well, I mean, I, I didn't get contraception to avoid making babies. I don't want <coughs> abortion in order to kill the babies, and I don't want to fling the men out of the house in divorce. Is that what we wanted? Well, we have the right to choose, but I, I don't know. But I do not hear people celebrating pregnancy. Now, you will know more about this than I do these days, and it's great for women to have the option of paid work outside the home. I know, and I know also these days, you practically need, if you're, if you're living with a fellow, a man, a father of your children, you need two incomes to pay off the mortgage or pay off the rent and to pay for child rearing. And I know you get up at seven in the morning, maybe earlier, uh, to go off to work, paid work, outside the home. And you've just about time to wake and address the children and then hand them over to the incoming nanny or take them to the crash. And you go off to work. I saw this in Canada, 1977. You go off to work, you come back at six in the evening. The children have been taken out of the crash or whatever. And you've just time to give them their dinner. Possibly to take some dinner yourself, you put the child or children up to bed and then you collapse on your bed yourself and you go to sleep and you wake up. Was it for this? Is that what it was all about? Is it that bad? I don't hear enough talk about it. But I have said to people who are, as we get ready to have another national conversation on abortion, I say, if it was me tactically, if I was in the doyle, I'd open up my speech celebrating pregnancy, delivery and motherhood. Celebrate it. Who but us? Women can make babies to me. I mean, I sometimes grow flowers now. I can't get over it. A seed in the ground and up comes a flower. A woman has a seed in her stomach and she produces an entire baby is growing in there and it's eating us. We're feeding we bastards in the womb. I say bastards in a friendly way. <laughs> and that baby comes out. And not only does it come out, but it, it apparently it reaches right. It goes looking for your breast. How does that baby know that? Conception. Pregnancy. Delivery of a baby. To be celebrated. I'd love to get back to those days and when necessary, terminate the pregnancy. But I'd like a little bit of joy. I'd like to change that conversation. I'd like to see us coming up to Christmas and we know a few friendly farmers round up a thousand cows and drive them through Dublin, park them inside the doyle, shitting all over the place because the manure can be used to fertilise soil and say to Kenna, Mary had it better. When will we rise up as one? Do it for ourselves, not necessarily for the men. Do it so that women can enjoy having babies again. Thank you. <laughs>